Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, August 13th, 2023. Good morning. So last week, we briefly touched on the topic of Christian fellowship as we prepared to take Lord's Supper. This week, we're going to explore Christian fellowship a bit more. Now, uh, I'm not going to have you open up to a particular passage right now, but we're going to get there. And I'm going to move that because I can't see John. And Scott, I lied to you. I'm sorry. It's not 10 pages this morning. It's 12. Um, I tried. So before we begin, let's pray. And we'll, we'll jump into this. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together as your body here this morning. We thank you that we can sing praises to you, that we can lift up our our prayers to you, that we can lift up our needs, our our petitions. Uh, We can lift up our praises to you. And Lord, we can also lift up our confessions as we see the sin in our own lives uh, that that causes us to disobey you. And Lord, just um, forgive us. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears here this morning. Lord, cause us to to see you in a new way. And Lord, uh, if there's anyone here this morning who has not trusted in you, Lord, who does not know the salvation that Christ offers, Lord, uh, we just pray that 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 will become a reality today. Lord, just uh, cause us to honor you in all that we say and do here this morning. Lord, use these words for the advocation of your saints here this morning. In your precious name I pray, amen. So last, last week we explored fellowship, that, the fellowship that we have with other believers, uh, a common salvation, and how this fellowship brings us together to the table. This fellowship begins with Christ. And if we're in Christ, we have fellowship with one another. So 1 John 1, 7, as we read last week, says, if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So this morning, I want us to take a closer look at Christian fellowship. And before we jump into the text, we're going to be looking primarily at Acts 2. If you want to turn there, put your finger there. But before we jump into the text, I want us to answer a few questions as we consider the topic of Christian fellowship this morning. So what exactly is Christian fellowship? What makes our fellowship Christian? Fellowship in the New Testament, uh, we see from the Greek uh, word koinonia, and in the New Testament we find this word to mean close association. It's a mutual participation, almost a hand-in-hand going, having a share in something, sharing with someone in something. The something that we share, or rather the someone in whom we share, is Jesus. This is what makes our fellowship Christian. When we gather in fellowship as a diverse group here in China Grove, North Carolina, we gather in fellowship under the banner of Christ. That's what brings us together. And if we really stop to think about it, it makes perfect sense. This isn't rocket science. What could bring people from different backgrounds, different personalities, different races, 
different cultures, different vocations, different hobbies, different interests? What could bring this eclectic group together? Greg, we've had this conversation before. What could bring this group together? Our fellowship in Christ joins us together in a context that meets our greatest needs. So why are we even talking about Christian fellowship? We're here together. We know we're here together. So why is this conversation important? As we mentioned last Sunday, this conversation is important for the purpose of remembrance. We forget easily, right? We forget easily. Wives, John's used this example before, but how many times has your husband forgotten something on the grocery list? I don't forget things. I add things. But, you know, same, same problem. I come home with things I shouldn't come home with. As we take the Lord's Supper, and as we took it last week, it's for the purpose of remembrance. Remembrance of what our Lord has accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And we discussed this morning the fellowship that we share as Christians to remind one another of the reality of our gathering. It's what brings us together. It stirs us up in the faith, and, 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 we, and in that stirring up, we realize the common truths that we hold dearly, and that purposes, that works to unite us as we come together for the purpose of glorifying God. So where do we see examples of fellowship in the biblical narrative? First, we see it in the Trinity. We first must recognize this fellowship that has existed before all of creation. The fellowship that is shared between God himself with himself. Through three distinct persons in the Trinity, God has fellowship with himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They've always existed. They've always communed together. This is a reminder for us, especially for us as, as human beings who tend to elevate our existence a little bit to think that, you know, we're, we're, we got this, that we're on top. It reminds us that God did not need us for fellowship that God did not need to create man to have fellowship. God existed before creation. He knew fellowship. He knew a fellowship that was sweet, that was perfect, that was unadulterated by sin. We see fellowship of the, of the Trinity at creation in that God, the Trinity, creates man he doesn't say in my image, he says in our image, after our likeness. And part of this likeness, as we'll look at later, is in, in that mankind, unlike the rest of creation, is made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. God created man in his own image, thus allows us to partake in that fellowship with himself. I mean, it brings us into fellowship with God together. And this is a Trinitarian fellowship. It's not that we enjoy fellowship with God the Father alone or that we enjoy a fellowship with Christ exclusively. It's a Trinitarian fellowship. We participate in fellowship with the entire person, three persons of the Trinity. So 
we, we enjoy that full fellowship. We also see fellowship in the biblical narrative between God and man. S- same Trinitarian fellowship between God and man. This brings us to examine our relationship with God. We see God's relationship with all of mankind throughout the work of creation. And, and while I could go through the entire biblical narrative, I just, I just want us to, to picture that relationship that God had with Adam and Eve before it was affected by the fall, before Adam and Eve chose to disobey. We see God preserving a fellowship, a relationship with mankind. So God, in his gracious mercy, is upholding this world. He's causing the sun to rise anew every morning. We see seasons change, uh, weather endure. We see life continue to flourish. And then sin happens. But then we see seasons change. We see God in his abundant mercy cause weather to happen, the sun to rise, life to continue in the midst of death. And we know this as Christians, that this is no accident. We have a God who is active, who is sustaining creation in that, as Matthew 5.45 shows us, for he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God shows grace and love to those who do not reciprocate that love and recognition. However, to those who trust Christ, there is a fellowship that goes much deeper than is afforded of these common graces. God, in his mercy, though we were once those who did not recognize the love of God, the love of our Creator, allows us to become partakers in this fellowship that we see modeled through the distinct persons of the Trinity. God models this fellowship with mankind in the garden, that he walks with mankind. He joined them in fellowship that was sweet, that was beautiful, that was close. I've gone walking in the garden with my wife before, hand in hand, and and just enjoy the work of our hands, the, the fruit the harvest that God brings forth through working a garden. You see the flowers. You see the vegetables grow, the fruit. And you marvel at it. You marvel at creation. But can you imagine physically walking through the garden with God, enjoying his creation, knowing he's the creator? He made all of this. And you've got the privilege as Adam, to name these creatures, to name these plants, and to talk talk about these things to God. Can you imagine that perfect fellowship with God? There had to have been so many things to talk about. God walked in such fellowship with Adam before the creation of Eve. And in this fellowship, God points out that he knows Adam better than Adam knew himself. Because he says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God knew 
God knew Adam in a way that Adam did not even know himself. He knew he needed a helper. He knew that he needed something more. And he recognizes that even though he's, he, that he's being made in the image of God, it requires fellowship with those who share life with in close association, with mutual participation. There was nothing in that garden that Adam could, could walk in fellowship with. Dog may be man's best friend, but that's, that doesn't cut it. He needed someone else. So this was all going great until man decided to find mutual participation in sin, in disobedience. The fellowship that has, was known before, excuse me, between God and man has now been disrupted. And their result was death, was eternal separation, was an eternal severing of fellowship. So once again, we witness God's graciousness towards his creation in that he offers of himself. He offers to disrupt his fellowship in order to restore our fellowship with himself. Now this is accomplished through the person and work of Jesus Christ. We see that fellowship with Christ is not limited to one person of the Trinity. Once again, we're looking at this Trinitarian God and we're seeing that fellowship through, through all three persons of the Trinity. This fellowship with Christ restores us to fellowship with the Father and we become fellowship, fellow partakers of, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This Trinitarian fellowship that we participate is understood in that God reveals to us His mind through the Spirit. Turn to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 9 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2. And as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, but they are folly, for they are folly to him, and he, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We participate in fellowship with the Trinity. Thus, we are privy to the mind of God, to the mind of Christ through the Spirit who dwells within us. Talk about a close association. This fellowship is one that allows us 
to know the mind of God. That's a, that's a pretty close fellowship. To know what God is thinking. To know what is on God's mind. And we are blessed in this fellowship because we're made in the image of God. We participate in fellowship with one another here, here this morning. So we look at man's relationship with man. Fellowship among mankind is, is primarily seen in three different ways. We see it secularly, we see it relationally, and we see it spiritually. In man's fellowship through secular means, which brings two persons together over common interest, over a common position, over common language, common culture, common nationality, common race, common vocation, common ideologies. Uh, we, 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 the list is endless of what kind of common things we can join together in a secular fashion. Men and women fellowship together in secular fashion every day. We all go to work. We work with people who have common skills as us. We have friends who have common interests. We engage in hobbies with people who engage in similar hobbies. And these are great things. We find earthly joys that move us to converse and spend time with others in a similar fashion. But we also uh, we see uh, men and women fellowship relationally through the ties of blood, through kinship, also uh, adoption. You can uh, choose your friends. You cannot choose your family. Uh, the, the, these, these relationships, they're, they're there. Uh, whether we want them there or not, this, this fellowship is there. And we often hear, hear this, this said, you know, that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And these words are true regardless. Family ties remain even in the harshest of storms. And there's, there's always exceptions to this. Uh, as, as we live in a fallen world and sin has, has wreaked havoc on our families. We see, we see that how sin separates even the closest of family ties, creating division, creating disunity. And while our secular fellowships and relation, relational fellowships can be, be torn apart, our spiritual fellowships within the church should never be. We can have common, a common faith and a common salvation which is, flourishes within a spiritual fellowship. So our spiritual fellowship, our Christian fellowship, is preserved through our common faith, through our common salvation, through our common Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the fellowship that we're, look, that we're really going to look at this morning because all other fellowships, secular, relational, they all have an expiration date. They all fade away. But our spiritual fellowships, that endures. That endures forever under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, turn to Acts 2. That was a long introduction. <laughs> but Acts 2, 
looking at verses 41 to 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see here this fellowship formed. When, when, I, when I read these words and see this forming of a fellowship, there's, there's an image that comes to my mind of the, the, the fellowship of the ring. Whenever that group is formed in Lord of the Rings with one goal in mind, one common enemy, one common purpose to destroy the ring. They come together, different people, different creatures, different cultures come together with one common purpose. They knew what needed to be done. They knew that there was great risk associated with coming together. They even knew that there, there was a possibility of loss of life, of livelihood. They knew their risk was great. And these early Christians in Acts 2, they knew their risk was great coming together under the banner of Christ. Yet, they stood proudly there. Proudly there together, worshiping their Savior. Committed together, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, to the prayers. They knew what was at stake, yet they came together. Our risk is great. Our risk is great as it costs something to fellowship in this way. It costs something to come together in fellowship in this way. Having all things in common, they sacrificed of their own possessions to meet the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They gathered daily. They worshiped together. They ate together. They praised God together. And they found favor with others because of their great love for one another. This financial risk seems relatively low compared to the loss that Christ associated with coming into the fellowship with himself. Flip over to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to look at verses 27 to 30. And Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel 
who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers, sisters and mothers, and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The sacrifice the rich young ruler was not willing to make is received a hundredfold in Christ. So, brothers and sisters, be encouraged this morning. If you have left brothers and sisters, mothers or fathers, Children, land, for the sake of the gospel. And last week, we talked about some of those who did. And, and I know that many continue to do so every day. Be encouraged that our Lord sees and has provided in the fellowship of brothers and sisters, of mothers and children, lands by the hundredfold and what a blessing it is to know this truth that we hold dearly in Christ our common salvation gives us a family where our blood can lacks our common faith meets our needs where our resources lack our common savior gives us common common fellowship where there is no commonality other than the blood of Christ. What a blessing. So practically speaking, how do we practice Christian fellowship? How do we do this right here at Grace? We see Christian fellowship practiced in our peace, in our unity, in our, in our doctrine, in the Lord's Supper, uh, as we saw last week, our evangelism. But especially we see it in our love for one another. And this, this works itself out more than just our weekly gathering. It has to. If, we, if, if we're going to love one another as Christ loves the church, doesn't that mean we have to do that more than one, one day a week? Wives, if your husband only comes home one day a week, Lori, if Jimmy were to come home one day a week, would that show love? No. It doesn't work that way. It has to be continued steadfastly. So how do we practice Christian fellowship? I believe it begins with one and other passages of Scripture. We see John 13, 34. I give you a new command, love one another just as I loved you. You are also to love one another. Romans 12, 5. We who are many in one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Romans 12.10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 15.14, instruct one another. 1 Corinthians 12.25, the members should have the same concern for each other. See where this is going? Well, it continues. Galatians 5.13, serve one another through love. Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.2, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I think y'all get it. But it continues. It's throughout the New Testament that we love one another, that we encourage one another, that we be kind to one another, that we 
submit to one another in the fear of Christ. That we don't criticize one another. That we don't complain against one another. That we continue along with one another. 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So how do we know we are practicing Christian fellowship? Because we love. That's the test. That's the test. That's how we know that we're on track here. Turn to 1 John 3. We're going to look at, we're primarily, primarily going to look at verse 14, but let's uh, read 11 to 24. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. That's verse 14 there. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we know his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us, Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given to us. When we find ourselves loving one another, we participate in Christian fellowship together. We, this practice is not a one-off deal, as we see in Acts 2. They continued steadfastly. This, this is an enduring love. A love which sacrifices for one another as Christ has sacrificed for his church. So what makes Christian fellowship possible? First, we see an identity of nature. As Christians, our identity is markedly different than the world. The world determines identity by family, by vocation, by trade, skills, gender, race, nationality. And, and these days, the, the list is endless for identity. But Christian fellowship is possible in that our nature 
is identifiably different. As 2 Corinthians 6.14 reminds us, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? And what portion does a believer share with unbelievers? Our nature is different in that we are in Christ. We no longer have fellowship with the world. And we've, we've been cast off by this world as we've come into fellowship with Christ. We may have secular fellowship, but what fellowship with anything secular lasts, really? There's an expiration date to it. It's literally till death do us part. For at death, our secular fellowships dissolve, but our fellowship with, with Christ and his people will endure for eternity. John Piper wrote that every exchange with others counts for eternity. And this fellowship that we have here is possible because of our common eternal God, which saves us and gives us a new identity. Second reason fellowship is possible is our common teaching. This, this contribution to the possibility of our Christian fellowship, this common teaching, our common doctrine, as, as we, we looked at last week, and I mentioned last week, the fellowship of the early church consisted in unity of doctrine and belief and direction. The church came together in common mind. And this unity of doctrine allows the church to continue throughout history, to endure persecution, to overcome heresy, to remain orthodox, and to persevere as the faithful bride of Christ. This is something we strive for here at Grace. We strive to guard the church of Christ. And we seek to ensure that our teaching is sound, that our doctrine is orthodox, that our preaching is faithful to the text. We desire this as elders for the whole, the whole family, from the youngest to the oldest. We desire to, to commit to faithful teaching. And this, this shows your elders' love for each and every one of you. It shows our love for you as we participate in a common salvation. Third mark of Christian fellowship is trust and freedom. And it's just how it sounds. That we have fellowship together because we have trust among the brethren. When we have trust with the body of Christ, we have freedom to fellowship together freely. And actually enjoy that fellowship. Where there is distrust, there's no fellowship. Of course, you cannot trust, cannot have trust and freedom within a fellowship that there is not a common identity or a common teaching. It causes trust to, to cease to exist. And if there's, there's not a body of believers sharing in a common salvation of Jesus Christ and teaching orthodox doctrine that is founded in the word of God, then we will not have trust. We will not have freedom in our fellowship. But 
when there is trust, when there is freedom, then there will be fellowship. It will be sweet. There will be counsel available. There will be love. There will be giving for needs. Where trust and freedom exist in fellowship, there is love. And this fellowship will flourish. These things, common identity in Christ, common doctrine, trust and freedom, they work themselves out and that they continue steadfastly. We see in the early church in Acts 2 that these continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. And we see great fruit. We see great reason for rejoicing in the outworking of the fellowship experienced by the early church. And so in conclusion, let's consider what we pursue here in Christian fellowship. To what end do we practice Christian fellowship? Why do we steadfastly continue to put one another and put up with one another in Christian fellowship? Open, if you will, to Romans 15. And we're going to close here. Romans 15, 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our, for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony for one another. This, this is my prayer this morning for us here at Grace. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony for one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. To what end do we do this? This is it right here. We do this for the glory of God. We continue steadfastly to put up with one another in Christian fellowship for the glory of God. Therefore, we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed each one of us. Also, to God's glory, we see the practical outworking of the perseverance of the saints. God graciously uses us to help one another keep believing, to stay in the faith. They quote John Piper again, every exchange with others counts for eternity. We're either weakening people's affections for God or we're strengthening them. Brothers and sisters, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you're here this morning and you don't know this fellowship, don't know this, this fellowship of Christians, that we've talked about this morning. 
I want to encourage you to talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to whoever's sitting next to you. Because I desire that you know Christ is your Savior today. And that you know this fellowship that we share together that will last for eternity. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that, that we have this fellowship with one another, that we have this fellowship that, that you've made possible through, through the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, you've given us a, a common identity. You've given us a common doctrine. You've given us a, a common trust that allows us to worship together freely, Lord. Lord, it allows us to love one another. And Lord, it allows us to, to encourage one another well. Lord, we just praise you this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.